Welcome to Locked On NFL, taking you around the league here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. Subscribe to the show. We're on all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. We'll break down the Thursday night football game between the Skins and the Vikings today. We've got another NFL trade, and of course, we will make our picks for all of the rest of the games throughout the Week 8 schedule. Uh, Matt, a little bit of a snoozer here on Thursday Night Football. Washington goes into Minnesota. Uh, The Vikings favored big, favored by 16.5. You and I yesterday talking about this game thought might have been a little high. Turns out it was a 19-9 victory, Vikings over the Redskins. Yeah, um... Kind of like you said, seemed very predictable, you know, very businesslike. You know, a lot of Dalvin Cook with some Madison sprinkled in. You know, that's a very good formula. Stefan Diggs got loose a few times, but lost a fumble. And, you know, the, the Redskins hung around. They lost their quarterback. Haskins came in and looked like he was, you know, an uphill climb for him, but there, not a lot of weaponry around him. Peterson against his old team was fine, but. You're right. There's there's not a lot of takeaways from this. Um, sort of pr- basically exactly what we predicted 24 hours ago. And um, I did think that number was a big one, 16 and a half. Right, because we didn't think it was going to go that high in the score, and it did not. Uh, did get a little Dwayne Haskins sighting. He was 3 of 5, 33 yards. He had the interception, sacked a couple of times, Uh You know, not a ton to take away from that, except for, yeah, I mean, things are obviously moving fast for him right now. Yeah, and his accuracy is not wonderful. He's not the most mobile guy. Um, I think the the phrase you use, that things are moving fast for him, the game has not slowed down, is is very apparent. Um, I, I guess the question is, do you leave him in the rest of the year? It's obviously a lost year for the Skins. If so, I think it'll look a lot like last night, but maybe that pays off for next year. Terry McLaurin doing a little bit as a rookie, and I think he's firmly in the conversation for Offensive Rookie of the Year, having a fantastic season. He had four catches for 39 yards, but it was on the other side where there was value if you're playing fantasy football. Of course, Dalvin Cook, nearly 100 yards, 98 yards on 23 carries and a touchdown. And then if you are an Adam Thielen owner, it's a bummer because you missed one of your top wide receiver weapons. If you're a Stephon Diggs owner, you're super excited about Adam Thielen going down because now you get the guy in that offense. He had seven catches, 143 yards, averaging 20 yards a clip there. Uh, did not get in the end zone, but uh, you know, as long as Thielen's out, Stephon Diggs is one of the more valuable receivers in the fantasy game. Yeah, and Cook and Diggs pass the eyeball test even more than their box score. I mean, they both have great feet, body control. They're exceptional players at their respective position. And we're not hearing Mr. Diggs complaining about the passing game or his targets or anything like that anymore. On the offensive line, Garrett Bradbury's had a rough season to start. And uh, I saw a stat, and I don't have it in front of me anymore, so I'm sort of paraphrasing it, but looking at uh, purely some PFF grade stuff for Garrett Bradbury. His first four games, weeks one through four, he was the 32nd ranked center in the league. Uh, that has jumped up to the top 10 in the last of uh, weeks five through eight now, uh, both pass block efficiency, uh, run block. So things starting to play a lot better for Garrett Bradbury. Super athletic 
and it uh, looks like uh, you know things have come together for him. The switch has turned on, and you know as we talked about with another rookie in Dwayne Haskins, things moving fast, things starting to slow down. It looks like for Garrett Bradbury at centers, that's a great sign for that Vikings offense. Yeah, and to take it a step further, last year's rookie, the right tackle O'Neal, the second round pick, another. Highly athletic guy, runs really well, former tight end. I watched him a lot here at Pitt. He's much better in his second season, too. So a couple of these young building blocks that are super athletic for this Kubiak scheme look like they have pretty bright futures. Let's move on to this trade that happened. It's not a blockbuster trade, and you knew something was going on there with Michael Bennett in New England, but it has happened now. The Patriots trading defensive end Michael Bennett to the Dallas Cowboys for a seventh round pick that could become a sixth round pick in 2021. So obviously they're not giving up a lot. It was a player that it sounds like that's kind of the thing where it's like, okay, well, let's give them something because he's going to get cut and then we might not be able to sign him. So let's trade him a conditional late round pick and bring in some depth and a ton of depth on that defensive line for the Cowboys. Yeah, and Bennett ain't what he used to be, but he's still kind of the prototypical strong side D-end in a 4-3 that kicks inside and lines up and plays three technique. And um, he's still a very good player, and they could use that for sure. And they're in it to win it this year. Um, As for the Patriots, I think it's a similar situation, sort of to the Josh Gordon situation. And I heard Mike Lombardi describe this well, who's very tied in with the Patriots organization, that to be a Patriot, you have to be a Patriot and do the their code of conduct, so to speak, every day. And for a guy like Gordon, it, he was more in it eight days out of ten. You know what I mean? And Bennett's a beats-to-his-own drummer type of guy. Yeah. Um, and just, it's not for everybody. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's one way of putting it. Yeah, just makes things a little bit extra difficult, which sometimes uh, coaches and management are like, yeah, okay, that's enough, especially if you're not going to be a big-time player anymore. All right, let's make some picks. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you in part by MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Bet with the best at MyBookie. Visit MyBookie.ag today. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate a special offer. Let's start with the Atlanta Falcons, the Seattle Seahawks at 5-2 and two going into Atlanta to face a, a team that is just not playing well at all despite the talent that's on that roster in the Atlanta Falcons that are 1-6 and six now. Uh, maybe at home it would be a rough go for the Seahawks who didn't look great last week, but um, you can't really pick against the Seahawks and they are definitely favored in this one. Yeah, and we're recording this like 12.30 Eastern on Friday. I'm going to operate under the assumption that Matt Ryan doesn't play, um, but that seems kind of 50-50 at this point. If Matt, I mean, like, this is a little fantasy nugget. Like, if Matt Schaub plays, I don't even know if I start Julio Jones. You know, like, I don't know if that offense does anything. Because the only thing the Falcons have done well all year is throw the ball, and Ryan's played really well. And if they don't have that, they're Dolphins bad. You know, so uh, needless to say, I think Seattle wins this game either way. Um, I do think one thing to keep an eye on with Seattle is doesn't seem like much, but the loss of Will Disley I think is substantial for them. They traded Vanette earlier in the season. They they really only have two pass catchers right now and could really use a middle of the field presence. But 
against this Falcons defense, I don't think that matters at all. I expect Russell Wilson to light him up in the dome. Yeah, same. And it hurts Julio. It hurts Austin Hooper, probably Calvin Ridley. And, and by the way, Hooper having a great breakout season. Really haven't mm-hmm. talked about him much. He's got 55 catches, 526 yards and four touchdowns, nearly pacing Julio Jones there as a receiver in Atlanta. Yeah, and he's always been a quality player. Um, I talk about this a lot. Tight ends around his age and his experience often take a big step forward. I mean, it's a a slow developing position. Usually like 27, 28 is when they hit their peak. So it's something to keep an eye on, you know, when you're looking at tight ends around the league. Um, And he's legit. I mean, I don't think he's a top five player at the position in the real world, but he's a high quality starting tight end for the Falcons who need him. I like this next game. It's the Eagles on the road in Buffalo. Eagles not playing extremely well right now. A 3-4 and four record, but I still believe in the Eagles' ability to turn that around. Uh, I would still like to see them make a trade, maybe help out the secondary a little bit. Uh, Buffalo Bills at 5-1, and one, and at least this is not one of those also-ran NFC East opponents that aren't called the Patriots that the Bills have been facing. And uh, and so a little bit of a test for Buffalo. I think we might learn a little bit about both of these teams this week. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Tough place to play. Great fan base. Um, I can kind of buttering up the Bills fans because they're not going to like hearing this. That <laughs> I read this on Football Outsiders today that the Bills have the worst DVOA in um, Football Outsider history for a 5 and one team. You know, that they wow. really haven't beaten anyone is basically what they're saying. Um, but I do think almost every Bills game, including their their narrow loss to the Patriots, are going to be low scoring. I think their defense is really, really good. I don't trust the Eagles to create big plays. That offense is in that, that difficult situation where they have to put together long drives, and that's really tough to do against this Bills squad in their building. But the other side of the ball is just as interesting to me in that nobody really runs on the Eagles. Everybody throws on the Eagles, which is kind of the opposite of exactly what the Bills want to do. You know, can John Brown create a big play or two? Absolutely. Can Josh Allen create a big play or two late in the down? Sure. But it's not the ideal matchup for the Bills offense. I'll still take Buffalo, though. I think there's just less wrong with their team right now. And to those points, maybe next week at this time, we're talking about how the, the Bills added a wide receiver to help them out in that part of their game. And on the other side, the Eagles added a defensive Corner. back to help them out there. And, you know, for the Bills, to the Bills' credit, they've beat the teams they were supposed to beat, and they can only play the teams on their schedule. But, you know, when you look at a schedule Absolutely. with Jets, Giants, Bengals, Dolphins, it's hard to take a lot away from that. And they weren't blowing those teams out either, although they did play the Patriots as, t- as tough as the Pats have been played this year losing 16-10. to 10. So this will be a fun one. I think it'll be interesting and maybe even more telling about the Bills than the Eagles. Well said. This might be the best litmus test. Or are the Bills good or not? The Los Angeles Chargers at 2-5 and five and really sort of falling apart there this season for them. The Bears trying to salvage their season at 3-3. Three and three. The Bears favored by 3.5 here at home, and I still think I would give those points away. These are two teams I'd like to bet against right now. <laughs> you know, I kind of right. wish they were playing other teams so I could say bad things about them both. A couple things stand out to me here is Chargers get Okun back, but the the Khalil Mack problem doesn't go away, or the Bears pass rush problem doesn't go away. I mean, Rivers is going to get hit. He's looking a little on the old and beat upside to me. 
I'm hoping they realize this is a game that goes through Austin Eckler. And the Bears are allowing an awful lot of production in the receiving game to running backs. And running into the middle of that front makes no sense to me. I hope the, the Chargers come out dumping it to Eckler, getting him involved very, very much so. The other side of the ball, I just don't know what to do with the Bears. I mean, they're we've talked a lot about them this week. They're very anemic. The quarterback situation is dreadful. I saw a list that NFL.com put out every week on the quarterback ranks and their quarterback ranks in the league. They had Trubisky 32nd. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's that bad. Uh, I'll take the Chargers plus the points, but I'm not real fond of either of these teams right now. No, that's that's well put about kind of wanting to bet against both of these teams. And I want to see Khalil Mack take over a game. He's kind of not mm-hmm. been that guy this year as much as he has been in the past, and especially as what he was uh, last year. And, uh, you know, he's still as, as talented as ever. I want to see that guy maybe take over a game and really make things difficult on the Chargers who are on the road. And uh, Trubisky, just make a couple of throws, run the ball a little bit, and uh, the Bears can get out of there with the W. But, um, yeah, that game, two teams that are both headed in the wrong direction right now. And the Chargers, I think, are done. The Bears... I don't think they're I done, but where, where's your where's your ability to get better if if it's not at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, if the Bears were in the AFC, I'd say they're not done. In the NFC, it's just too difficult to keep your head above water. I think both these teams are done. Uh, are the Lions done? The Giants at two and five going into Detroit. The the Lions still only have two wins, but only three losses with the one tie, and they've already had a bye week. Um, they're favored by six and a half at home. If they're in the AFC, I would say they're not done. I think they're a better team than the Bears. I think they put it on the Giants in this game. I I don't think that I've mentioned it a few times. We've talked about it a little bit on the show for sure. I think Matthew Stafford's quietly having an exceptional year, and I really dislike this Giants pass defense. I think Stafford might throw for 400 and all those guys get involved. New running back situation, the eyes are there, but the eyes should be on Stafford. Uh, I think he throws all over these guys, and they win pretty big at home. I agree with you there. I like the lines in this one, and I don't even mind giving up the points, I don't think, because here, here's what sucks about the Giants. If you're a Giants fan, you got your young quarterback, and that's great, and things look up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they still have to build the rest of the team around Daniel Jones now, but you draft Saquon Barkley, the number two overall pick, and you get a running back who's phenomenal, but you can't even utilize him fully because you don't have a lead and you can't ever just like, okay, let's just run the game through Saquon Barkley. And if anything, you know, he becomes a guy who's your outlet in the passing game because you're trying to throw to come back in some games. And so that's what's difficult about taking a running back high if you're not a good team because it's hard to build around a running back in this day and age, even if he's such a dynamic receiving back. And then with the, the rate that running backs get hurt, and we've seen that with Saquon Barkley as well, I think it's just you know as far as team building go, as far as team building goes, you can nail the pick, get a great running back, and it's still not helping you in the W column. It's a good conversation because that's a, a different way of phrasing you know don't value running back so high because you're not able to use him at his do what he does best. I mean it'd be different you know, like two of these teams we just talked about like the Bills and the Bears. If they had Saquon, you know, he'd yes. be getting carries late into the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? And and really paying off where the Giants just aren't in that position because of several reasons, including not having the defense to keep him in games. 
Let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're coming in at 2-4 and four on the road to face the Titans in Tennessee. Yeah. You know, the, the last tastes in your mouth from these teams are, boy, Tannehill's pretty good. Maybe he's the answer. Boy, Jameis, two weeks ago, has been simmering on a bazillion interceptions that everybody saw. And I think the reality probably isn't, you know, that perception that Winston had a really good year before that game and is capable of really good things. And they're fresh and they're coming off a bye. I don't think Tennessee can run through Derrick Henry. It's going to have to be a Tannehill game. Does that expose him for who he really is, or is he better now than we remember? So I'm not sure about that. I do think Winston will be under pressure and probably will turn the ball over here and there, but I'm going to take the Bucks coming off a bye. I'll go the other way, and I don't, teams don't come out of byes that strong mm-hmm. as often as you would hope they would, and uh, the Titans, all they have to do is win by a field goal. It's, it's minus 2.5 for Tennessee here at home. I like what I saw from Tannehill last week. I think they found something there, found a little boost. I like the defense for Tennessee. Uh, I do agree that Derrick Henry, I mean, the way the Bucs have been playing against the run, you can't run this game through Derrick Henry, so it's going to have to be Tannehill. So we'll see if if he can do it again or if that was a one-week blip there with him as the starter. But I'll I'll take the Titans minus two and a half. I don't blame you. I mean, I think that's a tough one. Right, that is a tough one. Uh, The Broncos, they're two and five. They are on the road at the Colts. The Broncos look like they're at... Uh, sell mode now and have figured some things out. They lost Emmanuel Sanders. We might see uh, maybe at least Chris Harris going as well from Denver. The Colts now looking really good with a big win over the Texans last week at 4-2 and two and in the lead in the AFC South. How do you like this one? I think the Colts are a much better team than the Broncos. Better at quarterback, better coached, better on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I don't think they stumble like they did against Oakland. I think they handle this thing top to bottom, you know, start to finish. I agree. The question is, do they cover the five and a half? And I think I would take that. Yeah, me too. That's not that much. This one on paper should be a laugher. The Rams are favored by 13 at home, taking on the winless Cincinnati Bengals. This one's across the pond, right? That says they're at home, yes, but it, the, no, it's yep, not you're in right. LA. We talked about this yesterday. Uh, one of our yeah. UK fans wondering who, if there's anybody worth watching <laughs> right. in London, the Bengals. Yes, thank for thank you for reminding me that this one is across the pond. And the answer, if you weren't listening, basically is no. There really isn't much to watch on the Bengal side of things. <laughs> um, the Rams are far better. I mean, you could look at it like. Boy, the Bengals head coach is really familiar with these guys, but I don't think any of that stuff really matters in this instance. Um, Sometimes you see weird things happen across the pond and games are closer than they should be or they play down their competition. Mm -hmm. I just think the Rams are, are starting to gain some momentum against bad teams and will squash these guys. All right, we got more games to get to coming up. This episode is brought to you in part by Roman. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to lasting longer in the bedroom. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with our buddies at MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with MyBookie. 
If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be gigantic. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? My bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Here's the best part. If you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in a thousand, they'll give you a thousand. That's double your initial deposit, and you can use it on all your favorite picks. Use our promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. The Arizona Cardinals at three and three, surprisingly on the road. This is where their luck might run out. They're facing the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. Saints six and one, still unbeaten with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. So what's your take on this one? I I mean, I think the Saints are due to lose, but it's in New Orleans, and we probably don't get Breeze or Kamara, right? But the defense is still so stifling. I can't see them stubbing their toe, but it just – sometimes you just get that feeling like this team's really good, but they're due to lose one. But I just can't see it being this one. Yeah, I I feel you. And the Cardinals have surprised some people. And the Cardinals, I think, are a little bit different opponent than than teams face. But in New Orleans, the rookie quarterback. Right. I mean, a really tough place to play. I mean, but I, I don't know why I keep getting this feeling, but I just feel like Kyler Murray has a Lamar Jackson jaw-dropping performance, running all over the field, and maybe becomes noteworthy. But I'm not putting any money on that or my reputation. It's just a hunch, and I just feel (laughs) like the Saints are due to take someone lightly and struggle a little bit. Yeah, and I just don't know if the Cardinals will be able to do enough to to be the problem for Teddy without those, you know, without Breeze and without Kamara. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I hear you. The Jets at Jaguars can... I actually expect Sam Darnold to kind of have a bounce back here. Uh, I love what he said after the game. By the way, the Jets coming in at 1-5 on the road in Jacksonville to face the 3-4 and four Jaguars, and the Jaguars are favored by 6.5 points in this one, which is why I'm thinking I might take the Jets because Jacksonville, obviously, they sent off their best player in Jalen Ramsey. But I, I love what Sam Darnold said about getting caught on TV with his comments on Monday Night Football about seeing ghosts. He said, no, I'm going to continue to be myself because if I start worrying about things like that, I'm worried about the wrong things. And that's one of the things I've always liked about Sam Darnold is a super young guy. He was a true junior coming out of college, one of the younger, youngest players in the NFL coming into the league last year. But I think he's a little bit wise beyond his years. He had the big performance against the Cowboys. Obviously, the Patriots got to him with those zero blitzes and uh, his offensive line did not help him out at all, so it wasn't all on Darnold. I like a little bit of a bounce back here, and I just I just like his uh, confidence, and, I, and that sort of a quote just tells me a lot about him. Yeah, I think he's very mentally tough. I think he's got the right head for this. I think he's going to be a star quarterback. And the whole seeing ghost things, I mean, football people didn't think like, oh, wow, I can't believe he's seeing ghosts. You hear that all the time. I mean, that just means like he right. doesn't know where the rushers are coming from. It doesn't mean he's scared. You know, I mean, it, it, people don't take that the right way. Um, I do think Jacksonville will get after him, though. His his line in New, New York is a real problem. But I'll gladly take six and a half. I mean, the Jags are a fine team, and Fournette has had a monster season and should continue to do that in this game and just keep getting the ball. But I'm not sure they're in a position to give any non-Dolphins-like team six and a half points, and they don't have much of a home field advantage. 
Yeah, I totally agree there. How about this one? Jarvis Landry guaranteeing a win for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, just shut up. Over the undefeated New <laughs> Why make it so much more difficult on yourself with the way things are going right. this year in Cleveland? All right, you're going to New England against a defense that's just slaughtering everybody and embarrassing their opponent, and you're going to guarantee a win despite how poorly your offense and quarterback and O-line are playing, and now you're just poking the bear. I mean, yeah, amazing. What are you doing? I mean, come on. Show some leadership. Be smart. I think the Patriots destroy these guys. I bet the Browns get to about 10 points, give or take, maybe three field goals, something like that. And we just see a lot of Michelle and methodical movement of the football and death by a thousand paper cuts. And uh, the Browns and Kitchen and Mayfielder have peculiar looks on their face like they don't know what hit them. Although the Browns are one of the top couple of teams the Patriots have seen so far this year as far as talent goes. But again, uh, yeah. I think the matchup's still bad for Cleveland here. And they're on the road in Foxborough. And Jarvis Landry, uh, having heard that, I will guarantee a Browns loss Sunday. So uh, one of us will be wrong, either Jarvis or Brian Peacock. Uh, I will apologize for my error Monday if that's the case. We'll see how things go for Landry and the Browns. And if he faces the music in the event, he is wrong. He already didn't want to answer questions earlier this season. And like week two, he was already feeling the heat. So. Um, we'll we'll see how that goes after the game if uh, if the Pats beat the Browns as we expect. Yeah, the San Francisco 49ers also unbeaten. They are at home and they're taking on the four and two Panthers. Kyle Allen. They are unbeaten with the uh, with the replacement quarterback. Yeah, and they're coming off a bye. You know, so a lot of time to prepare and heal their wounds and all those things. I'm going to take your Niners, but I'm a little hesitant. I mean, I know they do a really good job getting after the quarterback, obviously, and limiting uh, running back production, but McCaffrey's not like everybody else. And my worry here is if the Niners do lose and is the pass rush. I mean, two replacement tackles, they really are talented in that front seven. Carolina, I'm talking about Carolina's defense. So I think this is a really close game, a feature-type matchup, maybe a future playoff matchup. Close one, but I'm going to take the Niners. This is the game. I'm taking the Niners. It's five and a half points, and I will even give away the five and a half points. And I think your point, you nailed it as far as the pass rush goes, but I think it's it can go the other way too because the replacement tackles have played extremely well for the 49ers, even though this is a tough pass rush they're going to be facing. But the key is on the other side, the 49ers, I think, have the best pass rush in the NFL, and they're going to give problems to the young quarterback who has fumbled on almost 15% of his dropbacks. And uh, and he hasn't faced a pass rush like this yet, and he's throwing some uncatchable balls, and he's getting away with some stuff that I don't think is going to happen against this 49ers team and he's been a little bit lucky as far as as far as balls not falling into the hands of his opponents and I think this is that game where he gets pressured into some mistakes and we might start to see some of the warts and maybe some fans that were saying oh we don't need Cam Newton we can just uh, trade him and move on with with Kyle Allen might rethink that after this game yeah I said that on my Steelers show yesterday that uh, my prediction is Monday Cam Newton starts to get a lot healthier (laughs) right yeah well put well put Cam's ready Let's go to Houston. We've got the three and three Raiders on the road facing the four and three Texans. I think Gruden's doing a really good job, and I think he'll try to shorten this game, mistake free football, lots of Josh Jacobs, go after Conley, who he knows really well, be really physical. But his defense, 
against Watson in this passing game, I think is just an unwinnable situation. I'll take the Texans by 10 or so when it's all done, and I think they score a fair amount of points. And how about this? A pick for Gary and Conley against his old team already facing the Raiders after getting flipped to Houston this week. We've got the game of the week here. They could have been better, unfortunately, without Patrick Mahomes in this one. This is Sunday Night Football, a really good one to finish off Sunday, and that is the 6-1 and Packers on the road at the 5-2 and Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and it's kind of a shame. I mean, how much fun would Rodgers versus Mahomes be yeah. on Sunday night in Kansas City or in Green Bay or in Wichita or Calgary or wherever? Who cares? I mean, that that's a phenomenal, unbelievably talented matchup. Um, I think Green Bay wins it. Uh, I think that Kansas City is going to kind of do what they do and throw the ball quite a bit, but I just think Matt Moore is a real liability in this situation. We're not going to have Devontae Adams, but it hasn't mattered of late. I think that Chiefs defense is better than people think, and Chris Jones comes back. He's one of the best players in the league. So I don't think it's a route by any situation. I just think the quarterback discrepancy is pretty stark and is really the difference in the end. Yeah, we'll see if Matt Moore can continue the year of the backup, and he did not look bad filling in for Mahomes. And by the way, Mahomes already practicing for Kansas City this week. He's not going to start, but uh, he might be back a lot sooner than that three-plus week diagnosis that he had with the... the, But, you know, and don't rush him back, but, you know, at home, Chris Jones back, I... I like this better than you would think going from Patrick Mahomes to Matt Moore, but I'm with you. I think you still got to go with the Packers here, and it's only three and a half points that they're favored. And Monday Night Football, we've got the winless 0-6 Miami Dolphins on the road in Pittsburgh facing your 2-4 and Steelers. Yeah, I might end up going to that one. I haven't thought about it, but um, the... General listening public probably isn't super psyched for that matchup for the primetime Monday game. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> I've done a lot of work on the Dolphins the last week or two, as you can imagine. And I never say anything close to good about them, but I will say over the last two, maybe even three weeks, they're getting a little better. You know, they, they, are, they have a downhill running game. They play hard. Fitzpatrick's an NFL quarterback. I mean, I'm reaching, you know, <laughs> and but I just think Pittsburgh at home really owns this game, destroys them on both lines of scrimmage. I'm with you, and the the line is big for a reason. It's 13 and a half points, and maybe it's it's not high scoring enough to get to that level. I would definitely not bet on this game either way. Uh, straight up, like obviously, lot. it's uh, straight up, obviously, you know, lining up to be a Steelers win on Monday night and to have the, a nice respectable three and four record for the Steelers at that point in the season. Yeah. And they come off their bye, and hopefully you know, Rudolph's healthy. Now, hopefully he can gain some momentum and they can get back into a weak AFC race. And we'll be back Monday, breaking down all of these games right here. Locked on NFL.